millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. This story was told by Charlie Phillips at the Canal Cafe Theatre in December 2012. Imagine spending decades just sitting in an armchair. My Auntie Kay was a big part of my life in the 80s and 90s in my preteen days. I didn't particularly like her. In fact, she kind of repulsed me. This horrible blob of a woman who sat day after day in a horrible chair in a horrible flat with a hundred warts all over her face, with many multicoloured hairs coming out of each of them. (laughs) She really did sit in a chair every day for at least 20 years, and as she sat there, she would dwell on multiple grudges, bitternesses and lost opportunities. And meanwhile, she'd draw up a hit list of people that she wanted to torment in the next life, when, in a moment she was very much looking forward to, She died. That was her thing she was most looking forward to. (laughs) She once told me that her greatest ambition was that after she died, she would be able to come back as a ghost and haunt her close family and friends who had (laughs) failed to visit her or who had done her wrong, whether in 1955 or 1985. And the idea of not even being free of Auntie Kay after her death was very depressing to me. (laughs) Because my dad made me go and see her every single Sunday morning with him, and I really wanted to stay in and watch Sunday morning television. So this was very depressing to me. But my dad did make me go and see her every single Sunday morning, and I'd sit in a really filthy, flowery chair, trying not to gag on her horrible food, and overly strong cups of Kiora orange drink. (laughs) And I never really understood how we were related or even really thought to ask, and I certainly never thought to ask why my dad went to see this horrible woman three times a week and spoke to her most nights for hours as well. For most of my family, visiting Auntie Kay was akin to the Jewish tradition of once a year going to the graveyard to kind of honour the dead... So they'd visit her once a year, and and it didn't really matter that she was still alive, because it was still part of the same horrible tradition. (laughs) I think my dad would probably say that he went to visit her, because that was the right thing for a good, community-loving, family-oriented Jewish man to do. But I saw it differently. I saw it, Auntie Kay, as a warning against what would happen if I um, ended up alone in my life, or more specifically, if I ever dated someone (laughs) non-Jewish. 
Because the strange thing with Auntie Kay is, though I knew very little about her life, because I feared the horrors that might have led to this monster in front of me, she did, the one thing I did know is that she did date a goy, as she would refer to them, a non-Jewish man. So I kind of took this as a warning, and my family never really made it clear to me, but I saw the clear connection that if I ever dated someone non-Jewish, that I would end up fat, bitter, and alone in a house that smelled of disinfectant and olive oil. <laughs> my mum never really came to visit Auntie Kay, um, and I think that's because Auntie Kay quite openly said how much she hated her. <laughs> and the feeling, was, the feeling was quite mutual. The one time I do remember my mum coming to see Auntie Kay was when Auntie Kay's sister died and my dad knew that he'd have to come round and tell Auntie Kay. Obviously Auntie Kay didn't speak to her sister because Auntie Kay had alienated everyone in her life. So we all went round and I was taken as a kind of light relief or kind of comic relief. So your sister's dead but Charles got a great mark in his maths test. Isn't that amazing? But the thing is that Auntie Kay really wasn't bothered about her sister's death. And actually, as my mum came in the room and Auntie Kay kind of knew that something terrible was going to be told to her, a smile came on her lips and she kind of purred, oh, hello, to my mum, anticipating the delicious tragedy that was probably going to be presented in front of her because the telling of bad news was her favourite time. It was a joy in her life. I continued to go and see Auntie Kay... Um, every single uh, Sunday morning um, as I got a little bit older and though it was definitely the most depressing time of the week I kind of got used to it and I came to see her as an essentially harmless old woman we didn't really have a sentimental relationship um, we'd watch Wurzel Gummidge together on Channel 4 and I, would, as my, and I would stare out the window through her filthy curtains looking at the vista of boring North Leeds suburbia and meanwhile, my dad tried to placate her protestations of people who'd let her down and her mild racism against the goyim that she hated so much. She had a great line in Yiddish, Yiddish slang, which is one of the things that she did pass on to me. So I kind of got used to going to see her, and um, though we didn't have a sentimental relationship, I essentially saw her as a lonely, if somewhat bitter and depressing, old woman. And then when, we were, when I was 12 or 13... Um, something exciting happened. My family got an answering machine, and this was the, this was the hot appliance in our house of 1993. Um, my mum recorded a message, and we all got very excited, and every time we went out for a family outing, we'd spend a lot of time speculating on who might have called and what they would have said and who would call them back. Um, and it very much brought us together, and we had a family game of... We had a family game of speculating on how many messages there would be when we got home, even though there were never more than two on the answering machine. It definitely felt like we went out a little bit more, even, just so we could speculate on <laughs> the joys of the answer phone when we got back. And then after one visit, yes, another visit to a North Yorkshire market town, we came back and there was a flashing light on the answering machine demonstrating that there was one message, and we pressed play... And after a lot of heavy breathing, Auntie Kay's deep North Yorkshire growl came over the machine. What shit is this? <laughs> and this really is how she talked. Long pause, heavy breathing. Oh, you fucking wanker. Long pause, 
heavy breathing. This is such shit. Long pause, heavy breathing. Oh, fuck off then. <laughs> heavy breathing, end of call. Now this was very confusing to me <laughs> because I kind of come to see Auntie Kay as essentially bitter but generally harmless, but she was directing all this anger against our family who really were her only allies against the horrific darkness of her life. <laughs> But the thing that really confused me here was where she'd picked up language like that. <laughs> because the thing with Auntie Kay is that, though, as I've said, she had a great line in Yiddish slang, she didn't really know any English slang in particular. She had no sense of popular culture at all. And she never watched television apart from Wurzel Gummidge, and you definitely didn't get language like that on Wurzel Gummidge. So where would she pick up words like fuck, shit, and wanker? <laughs> this was very confusing for me. Now, my, the rest of my family took this quite personally and were quite upset by it, and my mum in particular, because she'd recorded the greeting message to which Auntie Kay had responded. <laughs> so over the next week, the inquest really got going, and our suburban house reverberated to repeated playings of the message. <laughs> so that the sound of Auntie Kay saying, fuck, shit, and wanker, filled the house for a week. My mum neatly transcribed the message in her neatest writing so that she could carefully present it to my dad so that he could in turn present it to Auntie Kay on the coming Sunday so that she would really understand how naughty she'd been and, and feel ashamed about what she'd done. Sunday came and obviously my mum chose not to go with because that would just be a bit too much. But again, I was taken as a kind of light relief. So, so you called Hillary a wanker. But Charles got a great mark in his English test. Isn't that amazing? So my dad presented the message to Auntie Kay on that Sunday morning. And the amazing thing was, she really wasn't bothered at all. She said the answering machine was stupid. She thought my mum sounded silly. And she'd say what she wanted and use whatever language she felt like. She felt absolutely no remorse about this. And I looked at her and I thought, well, that's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> And when you come from a family of goody-goodies in the Jewish North Leeds, you look for any icons of rebellion you can get. And I realised Auntie Kay was the biggest rebel that I had, so I found a new form of respect for her. And then I got older and, and managed to assert myself and live the dream of not going to see Auntie Kay so much and being able to watch Sunday morning television, and that was all great. And then when I was 15, Auntie Kay died. And I would say, sadly died, but of course it's exactly what she wanted, so she was quite happy, really. My family said that I shouldn't go to the funeral because it would be kind of depressing, which is kind of ironic, really, considering I'd spent 15 years every week going to see the most depressing woman in the world talk about how much she wanted to die. But then a year later, I was allowed to go to the stone setting, which in the Jewish religion is when you put up the gravestone for the dead person. And after the ceremony, um, the rabbi took to the little stage in the funeral house and said how Auntie Kay had done amazing community work in the 50s and 60s and how sad it had been that in the 70s, 80s and 90s she'd been confined to a chair, but she'd spent all her time in that chair devoted to her family and thinking, talking about how much she loved them and doing brilliant work for her family from that chair. And I looked at this and thought... 
That's not true at all. She hated her family and friends and she wanted to haunt them after their death. She proudly dated a goy and didn't really care. She left sweary messages for my mum on the answer phone and she lived in a filthy house and chose to do and say whatever she wants. And I thought, that's the Auntie Kay I know and that's the one that I really respect. When I first told this story um, about 18 months ago, I said that I hoped Auntie Kay wouldn't come back and haunt me. And it hasn't happened yet, but every now and then I can smell Kiora in the air and wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if she is actually in the room looking at me. Thank you. Spark London now has three monthly nights. The first Monday is at the Canal Cafe Theatre in Little Venice. The second Monday is at the Hackney Picture House. And the third is at the Ritzy Cinema in Brixton. For more details, head to sparklondon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.